The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. All right, so we're in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 14, kind of to catch you up what's been going on. Uh, we finished the book. Uh, book? <laughs> Great start. The book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, Jesus lived on the earth. He died at death on the cross, rose again, and then he came and visited his disciples, resurrected Jesus, and then he sends them out to spread this good news of his life, his death, his resurrection, uh, to spread truth throughout the, to the ends of the earth. And so his disciples are going forward, and that's the exact thing that's happening in the book of Acts. Uh, the good news is going forward. More and more people are meeting Jesus. Uh, churches are being planted. Followers are being made. And the gospel is moving forward. And we come in here, uh, verse 19, and we'll meet this guy named Paul. Paul, if you don't know who he is, he was kind of like the Osama bin Laden of his day. He was a terrorist. He was persecuting the church and trying to kill Christians or put Christians in prison. And then he has a vision of Jesus. While he's on his way to go persecute a specific church, he has a vision of Jesus and goes blind for a few days and then gets his sight back and devotes his life to loving Jesus and helping others follow and love Jesus. And he's this incredibly passionate and motivated now missionary and church planter. And so that's who we come across um, right here in verse 19. And I'll read. It says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Tyconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So here's our situation, right? The gospel is going forward. It is multiplying. People are meeting Jesus. Paul gets stoned nearly to death. The people that stone him, they think he's dead. Right? They, they, they drag him out and leave him for dead. And then it just says he just rises up, goes right back into the city and keeps doing what he was doing before. He just like... It's like, keeps telling people about Jesus. People keep meeting Jesus through him. And and the gospel is going forward. And you are looking at this, and if you've been reading the chapters up to this point, you expect people are meeting Jesus in this city. Then they move to the next city, and people are meeting Jesus in that city. They move to the next city. And so you're expecting, like, not even stones can stop Paul from doing this, that surely what's going to happen next is they're going to go to the next city, and the next city, and the next city, because the gospel must go forward, Right? And nothing can stop this passionate, zealous, church-planting Paul from continuing to do this. But that's not what happens next. What happens next, even though there's all this growth and momentum and people are meeting Jesus, Paul pauses with Barnabas and they double back and it says they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples. What does this tell us? It tells us that even though it is pivotal that the gospel goes forward, 
even though stones couldn't stop Paul from continuing to share Jesus with other cities and with the world, there was something else that was an equal priority to the gospel moving forward. And that something else was to come back and strengthen the souls of the disciples. This tells us that as human beings, even in the early church, which we can sometimes romanticize, like, oh man, they had it all together in the early church. But if you read some Bible, they really didn't. Um, They're humans just like us. Even these early churches that were churches that were started by Paul, a guy who just like gets stoned and gets up and keeps going, right? A guy, there's, there's parts in the story where people are like healed by like Paul's hanky. It's like weird parts of the story. Like he blows his nose and like someone touches the hanky and gets healed. Like, I don't know about you, but that's not like, I'm not like walking around with that kind of like hanky anointing, you know? Like it's just not happening. Uh, even that early church, needs their souls strengthened. And so Paul and Barnabas, they come back and they strengthen the souls of the disciples. Here's the first point I want us to think about. Our our lonely souls need relational strengthening. Our lonely souls need relational strengthening. Here's another thing about Paul. Paul writes more books of the Bible in the New Testament than anyone else. And many of these are letters to churches or to people. I think all of them are actually. He writes letters to churches to people. What does this tell us? It tells us Paul knew how to write a letter in a letter that could encourage. He could have wrote in a letter to Iconium and Lystra and to Antioch. He could have sent them letters so he could continue on to the next city and the next city and the next city. But here's what he knows. There is a difference between receiving a letter and receiving people face to face. That there is a unique strengthening for our lonely souls that happens when we are in relationship. And technology, whether that's letter writing or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook fans, technology cannot replace face to face. Not only that, but oftentimes all our technology is offering us is the ability to numb or distract our souls. But relational love has the power and the ability to strengthen and heal our souls. Our souls need strengthening, and relationship can strengthen them. Ask yourself, is your soul feeling lonely? Do you need to call out for others to come, be with you? I believe that one of the ways they were strengthening, we see in Acts 6-4, what the church leadership was doing. In Acts 6-4, it says they devoted themselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. So I believe what they're just going out over and over, praying with and for people and strengthening them with God's word. So I believe Paul and Barnabas are coming. They're being with the people in this church, face-to-face, present, praying with them and praying for them and encouraging them with the truth of God's word, strengthening their souls. Uh, about a year ago, um, some of you guys know this, but um, my wife and I, we left the church that we helped plant. I was the lead pastor and church planter there for eight and a half years. I was in San Diego. And it was almost a year ago now that we, we started to really realize that God was calling us to move on. And as we processed leaving this ministry that we loved and these people we loved and not knowing what was next, our souls went through some major grieving. And for me, at times, even loneliness of 
who do I even process this with? Not, not being able yet to process it with the church that I was in community with because I was leading them, but also processing, am I moving on? And just, and there was just so much grief and wrestling and loneliness. And I remember sharing this with a, a friend of ours that lived in Santa Barbara. And we had officially now announced that we were, we were leaving. We had shared with the church um, and we were grieving this. And I called him up and he just says, uh, just real quickly, here's the news. And is like, look, we have a guest house. They Airbnb it. And um, he said, there's three nights open like next week. Why don't you guys just come up? Come on up. Stay with us. We'll make you a meal. I want to hear everything that God's doing in your life. want to grieve with you. want to pray with you. want to encourage you. And it was just huge for us. So we just packed up our circus, some people call a family, and met with their circus. <laughs> and they have three kids, and we have four. And at that time we had a newborn, and they also had chickens, and the whole thing was... But in the midst of all that madness, uh, there were some just sweet relational times, and it began the healing and strengthening of our souls as we transitioned to what God had next for us. Is your soul weakened by loneliness? Is there someone you could call out to for relational strengthening? Are there souls around you that are feeling lonely, that God has placed you in their life so that you might strengthen them with relational presence, with time face-to-face. Let's continue. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Or the NIV says, to remain true to the faith. We're reminded here of this idea that that at times our souls need to be reminded to press on and to continue on, right? Right? Point number two, our downcast souls need encouragement. Our downcast souls need encouragement. Have you ever had times where it just seems like everything that you are striving for, everything you're trying to do for God, every like relationship you're trying to build and pour into, it just keeps falling through the cracks. It just starts to seem pointless. It just starts to seem meaningless. And you begin, your soul begins to just feel discouraged. Maybe you just wake up every day and you just hear the news and you're just like, this is just so depressing. There's tragedy after tragedy after tragedy and you, you begin to feel downcast or your soul is just not in the right place. And oftentimes, well, let's go to Psalm 42.11. Go with me to Psalm 42.11 first. Psalm 42.11 says this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, there's times where our souls feel downcast and they need to be encouraged. But oftentimes, and it's just so normal in our culture, what do we do when there are souls in turmoil, our soul feels downcast? What we normally do is we just kind of stuff it down. Just, just, just. How are you doing, Jake? Great. Everything is awesome. Like the Lego movie, you know? Um, I'm awesome. Holidays are right around the corner and... Love spending time with the family at holidays. Everything is going good. Right? 
How are you? I'm also good. You know, and we just shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. And of the psalmist, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? That he, he, he listens to his soul. He asks his soul, how are you really doing? Why are you this way? What is going on? What are you grieving? What are you hurt? Where are you hurting? What losses do you need to, to hold up and say, this is, this is a real loss and it hurts and it's pain and it's caused my soul to be downcast? Who can you share that with? It's, we need relationships where we are, we are bringing things and we're grieving them together. Scripture says, mourn of those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. Why are you downcast on my soul? And he doesn't say there, doesn't stay there. We also need to preach to our soul. He doesn't just listen to the pain, but he also then churns and preaches to it. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. He said, right now, maybe soul, we don't want to praise. Maybe we just feel too down to be able to, to just lift our arms and praise the Lord. To, uh, what was the line we were singing earlier? Uh, My heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're just like, my heart just wants to sing any other name. But he preaches to his soul and says, no, hope in God for I shall again praise him. We will once again be reminded of who he is and what he has done and the hope that we have in him that he will make all things new and we will again praise him, my salvation and my God. What causes our souls the deepest downcasting? The deepest downcasting is our souls begin looking to other things for salvation and to be our God. And as our souls look to someone or something, sometimes ourselves, to be our salvation and to be our God, they will let us down over and over and over. And it'll make our soul feel deeply downcast and discouraged and depressed is this relationship we are looking to to be a salvation and a God and it crushed us. Or this job was supposed to be our salvation, our God, and it crushed us. Or this savings account was supposed to be our salvation. Our and over and over, and our soul just gets more and more discouraged and depressed and downcast as its false gods and false saviors continue to let it down. And so we listen to our soul and acknowledge the hurt and acknowledge the grief and acknowledge that maybe we've turned to the wrong thing again and again, but then we speak and preach to our soul, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. They strengthen the souls of the disciples instead of encouraging them to continue in the faith, to continue and trusting in Jesus, our salvation and our God. Man, do you need someone to come and just speak to your soul? Are there souls around you that God's inviting you to come and speak the truth of Jesus and the hope of Jesus into, into their souls? Come back to Acts 14 again. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. To continue in the faith. Faith 
this idea of what are you depending on? What are you trusting in? Whom are you trusting in? We've talked about the lonely soul. We've talked about the downcast soul. But sometimes where our soul is, 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 it is anxious and it is noisy. Have you ever had an anxious and noisy soul? Our anxious and noisy souls need to trust in Jesus. Our anxious and noisy souls need to trust in Jesus. A thing that recently has made my soul really like noisy and anxious is uh, we bought a house and the house needed to get a new septic tank um, and we're still, it's supposed to actually get put in these next few days. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let's hope that happens. Um, and in the midst of like dealing with like the county and trying to get a permit and trying to get approval and figuring out all the funding because the seller is supposed to pay for it and just all, it's made me so like anxious and frustrated. There's been nights where I like couldn't sleep and I'm just thinking about, is this going to happen? What's going to happen here? And, and this is what will happen. An anxious and noisy soul will not let you rest. It will not let you sleep. You're worrying about this thing. You're worrying about that thing. What if this happens? What, you're not trusting in Jesus. You're trusting in your own ability to try to control through worry. Works really well. Try to control through worry the world around you. Have you done that? Has your soul felt that anxiousness of trying to control the world around you through worry? Psalm 131 helps us here. Listen to Psalm 131. It said, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. He says, my, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. There are things in this world that are too great and too marvelous for us to be able to control. And trying to control them will just make your soul noisy and anxious. If anyone's ever tried to get a permit from the county before, you know that is something far too marvelous for us to be able to control, right? I don't know how it takes you three weeks to read one email. That is too great and too marvelous of a question for me. I don't know how three people will approve one document. And then the fourth says, it's not even close. Start all over. These things are too great and too marvelous for me. And when I try to control them, I lose my mind. <laughs> there are these things around us out in the whole wide world. You can just watch the news over and over and you can begin to just get way too anxious. What about this and this and what's going on? And refugees are coming from Honduras and the Middle East and justices and what, what is going on? And you can just begin to be overwhelmed by worry and control or you can just leave it at the feet of Jesus. Say, God, I don't understand everything that's going inside me or around me or around our world but I know it's not too marvelous or too great for your eyes. And so I'm going to let your eyes be in control of this, and I'm going to calm and quiet my soul on your chest like a weaned child. See, a weaned child can enjoy its parents' presence not because they have to get the milk, 
Not because they're throwing a fit and crying until they get the milk. No, they can enjoy their parents' presence because they've, they've grown to trust their mother. And so they just want to be with their mother for the sake of their mother. Like a weaned child, we just trust in Jesus. We continue in the faith. Not raising our eyes and our thoughts on things that are too marvelous for us, but laying those at his feet and calming and quieting our soul. Man, don't you long for your soul to be calm and quiet, to have that anxiety just drift away like the tide. He offers us that. He offers us that. Back to Acts. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Point number four is this. Our wandering souls need a shepherd and a home. Our wandering souls need a shepherd and a home. So oftentimes our, our souls are so weak because they keep following false shepherds. And so they're just wandering around looking to where they can rest. And here's the truth that this, this reminds us of. We can look at this, this Acts verse, right? and says, in saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And you go, how is that encouraging or strengthening the soul? Many tribulations, like that sounds negative, right? It's this reminder that our, our souls are sojourning souls. They are not home yet. They're not home yet. And so they hope in this future home, the kingdom of God, where our souls will have eternal rest, where they'll be eternally strengthened. Turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Any other thing promising your soul that it can shepherd it cannot deliver this. Jesus is the only one that when he shepherds our soul, our soul no longer wants for anything. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When our soul is feeling weak, he restores it. This is where Jesus leads our souls to. Church, if right now you are in a spot where your soul it just feels like it's in chaotic waters, it is because it has followed someone else to that point. Jesus always leads our soul to still waters. Now this doesn't mean perfect circumstances. It means that he's caring for our soul in the midst of sometimes broken circumstances. How do we know that? Because let's continue on. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, The valley of the shadow of death. That doesn't sound like still waters and green pastures. It's saying, even though the circumstances 
are dire, even though that we are surrounded by death. And this is, a, this is a metaphor for the life here on earth. This is a valley of shadow of death. We are still under the curse of sin in us and around us. People are, are dying literally around us. Sin is destroying relationships. Sin is destroying people. We're walking through a valley of the shadow of death. And yet, even though we can still have our soul near still waters and green pastures and not wanting because our soul can trust and follow the good shepherd Jesus, even as we walk through the valley of shadow of death, it says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He protects our soul from the evil one, from his lies, his temptations, his accusations. He protects and comforts our soul. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He nourishes our soul even while our enemies are trying to attack it. You anoint my head with oil. Surely my cup overflows. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our wandering souls need a shepherd and a home. Jesus is the good shepherd for our souls and he is the one leading us to his house where our souls will dwell with him forever and ever in their true home. Your soul was made for heaven. Jesus has come to shepherd, care, and lead your soul back to its home. It cost him everything to do so. No one will ever live a perfect life and substitute for your imperfect life, but Jesus did. No one will ever die for all of your sin and your punishment and your mistakes and all the times you've looked to other things to strengthen your soul outside of Jesus, but Jesus did. No one has defeated sin, Satan, and death and everything that tries to destroy our souls, but Jesus has defeated them when he rose again. He is alive and he is our true shepherd and he will not only strengthen your soul but bring your soul to its eternal home. Church, our soul does not want when it is in relationship with him. Our relational souls long to be in relationship with Jesus, to be with him face to face and experience his true presence. Our soul does not want when it is encouraged by Jesus. He calls us to continue to trust in him. Our souls can be quieted from their anxiousness and their noisiness when they set their eyes on his life, death, and resurrection and they set their eyes on his broken body and his shed blood and an empty tomb and put their faith and their trust in him, they are strengthened. And our souls can be shepherded and brought to the eternal home as they spurn away all the false shepherds and false homes and false promises of the world and turn to Jesus, the good shepherd, Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you know 
how we are doing, heart, mind, body, and soul. You know us intimately. There isn't anything that we can share or confess or bring to you that surprises you. You know us. You love us. Jesus, we confess that oftentimes when our souls are lonely, we further isolate and drift further away from you and others. Forgive us. Help us that when our souls are feeling lonely, that we move towards you, move towards your people, and confess our need of strengthening. Lord, we confess that we often overlook the lonely souls around us, only thinking about ourselves. Would you forgive us and help us, God, to look to strengthen the souls that are around us? Jesus, we confess that our souls are often despairing and discouraged and that as the things of the world fell us over and over, we still turn and look to them for hope only to be crushed once again. Would you forgive us and help us to look to you, to hope in God. Jesus, we confess that our souls are often so anxious and so noisy trying to control or worry our way to peace. And we do it over and over again, even though it only harms ourselves. Would you forgive us and would you help us to calm and quiet our souls, to lean on the one who is in absolute control and invites us to call him our Father? Lord, and we confess that we, we often think we're the best shepherd for our soul. We often think we're the one who knows where our soul's home is or ought to be. And it leaves us wanting. Would you help us, Jesus? Would you forgive us and help us to follow you as our only true shepherd and to hope in the eternal home that you're preparing for us? And in the Father's house, there are many rooms. Would you help us to put our faith and hope and trust in that as we move towards it, as we follow you and invite others to come into this beautiful home with you. We love you, Lord. Maybe, church, if you're here, just take a moment and later as we take communion, just confess, where, where, where is your soul at? Be honest with God and maybe pull someone aside that you know and be honest with them. Ask for prayer even here today. Confess any, any weariness or discouragement or anxiety of your soul. Bring it to the Lord. Let his body and blood, as we take the communion, let his broken body and shed blood restore and refresh and strengthen your soul. Come, Jesus, we love you. Amen.